Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Nico Hansen, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined once again by Callum Williams. Cal, it's been a rough couple weeks for Minnesota United and Minnesota United fans, I would say. How are you feeling? I'm tired, Steve. <laughs> really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't even know, Steve. I, I just I don't know what's left, what's right, what's up, what's down. Um, I'm tired. Um, three games in seven days is is a lot of work. Um, but glad it's busy. I sound like I'm complaining here. I'm not complaining. I'm tired. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm happy that we're all busy because let's be honest, it it was only a few months ago we weren't even sure that we get to to be a part of a season. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's good. Um, I'm just tired. How are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I uh, I think I'm 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 doing I'm doing all right overall. I think that uh, with regards to how we thought this season was going to go, like I feel a little bit like like it's a little mini pandemic. For, for Minnesota United in the sense that like last season started and then suddenly we were like, we don't have games. We don't have, what are we doing? Like, this is not what I expected this season to be at all. And I feel that kind of same thing again, after like, I look back to just like six weeks ago and I was like, preseason was good. Team looks, looks good. I like a lot of the additions. Uh, there's, there's good, there's players, you know, who are on the horizon who are coming to the team. And now we're sitting here at 0 and 4 or 00 and 4, or 04 and 0. They changed the format on MLS soccer, and I'm all confused about four losses and no points. And just not sure, you know, where it goes from here. Um, I think I'll start. Let's just talk about the most recent game. We'll talk about Colorado. Colorado Rapids, um, a 3-2 loss. I'm going to give you uh, the microphone now, and uh, you can just give us your feelings uh, and your impressions and your sense of that of that game as it unfolded. First of all, Steve, I've got to point out that I'm drinking a cup of tea right now. And okay. the reason, reason I'm doing that is because usually it calms things down. I suggest everybody go and drink a little cup of tea. Everybody just needs to calm down. <laughs> I understand it's not been the start of the season anybody thought. I understand the reason why people would be slightly concerned. I think people... Um, need to go and have a look at at a lot of other periods of previous seasons for Minnesota and to see that the Loons did go 0-4 throughout the season in previous years and still made the playoffs and still had good seasons. Every team, every year, goes through a bit of a barren run. 
at the moment, Minnesota's barren run is coming at the start of the season, which, for whatever reason, seems to ensue panic. And um, I think it's okay. I, I understand, and I can hear people now chirping and saying, oh, well, he works for the team. Of course, he's going to say this. This is me talking from a pure footballing perspective. It's it's okay. We've got 30 games left. This isn't the NFL where things are over after you start 0-5 or whatever. It's going to be okay. Am I a little bit concerned at the start? Of course I am. But to suggest that people need to to start talking about the, the manager being let go, to, to start suggesting already that trade needs to be done and that certain players haven't worked out, I, I think is... Um, I, I honestly, I, I think it's it's too early, Steve. It's really too early. I've seen all the stats. I've seen them. Throw me any number this week. I've seen it, Steve. In terms of people saying, "Well, you know, no, only two teams in MLS have have got into the playoffs when they started zero and four, and that was last year in the Eastern Conference." I've seen all these numbers. Like, I get it. I get the worry. I understand people being concerned, but. Um, for me to to sit here and, and agree with people suggesting that Adrian Heath should be let go, I, I think is completely wrong. I think it's way too early. Usually in in, in Europe, um, you, you give a manager between eight and ten games to get it right, which I think is fair because that's usually over a two-month period or so. And then you judge. I think if Minnesota go... 0-6 over the course of the next week, I think there's certainly there's certainly room for conversations to be had in terms of why is it going so wrong. Um, but I think it's far too early to suggest that, that the coaching staff are in trouble in terms of, of, of their jobs and um, players should be traded and, and what have you. I think it's far too early for that, Steve. And, and look, I, I, I have no problem saying, I thought in Colorado in the second half, I thought Adrian got it wrong. Um, in, in the sense that I, I think what, what Minnesota should have done is they should have gone and, and tried to get the third goal and really killed the game off as early as they could. But instead, they sat back, absorbed a lot of pressure, which eventually Colorado found a way through three times, very nearly four, maybe even five, with Bassett hitting the post and Lewis scoring the goal that was offside. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and defend uh, Adrian Heath completely because yeah I thought I thought he got it wrong in the second half in Colorado but what I will say Steve is that for people to suggest already at this stage of the season that he needs to lose his job and things need to change drastically I, I think is completely and utterly wrong and I think hence why I brought up the tea comments let's just relax it's okay there's 30 games left let's just relax I think uh, <clears throat> we'll move on to Colorado. I, I think you're starting in a good spot. And there was a couple of things that I had jotted down that I wanted to, to, to come off of, of some of the stuff that you have uh, brought up. I think um, a couple of things for me, um, first of all, uh, I think calls for Adrian Heath to be fired right now uh, in a lot of situations bring a little hollow to me because the people who I, I, I see it from, I'm not, you know, like I, I am on social media it's a lot of the same people who have said that for four years. Like 
people have been, for whatever reasons, at different points, have been thinking that the solution to the everything that is a problem with Minnesota United is firing Adrian Heath. And uh, I don't, just don't think that's right. And so when your solution to this is fire Adrian Heath, I'm like, well, I've heard that before. And instead, the team has gotten better every year, basically, up until this year with a very odd beginning. So, you know, it's like it's a thing, like you said, I think that you give if, if you're talking about eight to 10 games, you know, that's the point at which you start uh, considering, like, is this the right direction overall for the franchise? As far as the idea that, like, something you would do right now would fix this, as you said, and it's the thing that's been tossed around you know, only two teams that were from last season, NYCFC and CF Montreal, um, lost their at least their first four games and then still made the playoffs. That also means that zero teams lost their first four games, fired their coach, and then made the playoffs. Like, that's never happened. So I don't think, like, if you decide that it's time to move on from Adrian Heath, if that's the decision, that's changing the trajectory of the entire idea of the team for the future that is not the way to get the team to play better right now like you might get a bounce you know like the different things happen in sports you know but i just think that like this is the way the team is right now you have to deal with it and you know if, if the decision down the road is you want to go in a different direction okay fine but right now it's not going to make the team get in the playoffs suddenly if you fire the coach um another thing to bring up which you sort of alluded to and you're talking about you know seeing different numbers and things like that i was looking at some um advanced uh you know analytics things about expected goals we've talked about expected goals before on 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 the broad on the broadcast i'm calling it broadcast because we've got that fancy slate that's a broadcast uh on the on this podcast um the loons, uh, the goal differential right now, I'm sort of cribbing from my, the storylines thing I already wrote. The goal differential uh, is negative seven, uh, which is tied for worst in the league. Uh, same as uh, FC Cincinnati right now. Uh, they've scored three goals and allowed 10 goals. Um, <clears throat> that's bad. If you look at the expected goals again, which is expected goals is essentially uh, every shot that a team takes is, is, is uh, measured based on how likely that shot is to go in a, a shot that's right in front of the goal is, has a high expected goal uh, rating. Uh, one from distance has a lower expected goal rating. And then the teams who are playing each other, each team is accumulating this expected goal idea so that by the end of this, the game, you sort of have a sense of how many goals you would expect based on the quality of the chances. That's the thing. Um, if you look at that, uh, let's see, Minnesota's expected goals is 5.02. So higher than the three that they have actually scored. While their opponents is 6.85, which is considerably lower than the 10 that they have scored. That means that the expected goal differential is, is negative 1.83, which is a lot less than seven. And actually, the gap between those two numbers, which is 5.17, is the widest in the league between those two results. So basically what it's saying is, you know, that doesn't mean that Minnesota United is, is better. Like the results are the results. The team doesn't have <laughs> any points to show for it right now. But what it's saying is that the team should have scored more goals and they shouldn't have conceded as many goals overall. And you can see that looking at the goals they, they score. The, the first, that first goal they gave up by, um, who was the Sounders player? Joao, um, um, uh, Yep. Yes. Yeah. It was Rob Hollow. I mean, a worldie like that, that goal is unbelievable. And so there's been more of those goals that are like you wouldn't, expect, but they go in and then we hit the post, you know, things like that. So as you as you said before, it's like you could the team is is close. Like if the team were trash, like if it were just like couldn't play. OK, wholesale changes. But it's the team in some ways is very close to being you know, to doing well and it just hasn't happened yet so you know when you have a leaky faucet you don't 
uninstall the entire sink and then put a new sink in. Like you, you try to figure out what is causing that leak. And I think that's the issue that's at the fore right now. Okay. That was my response. Talk specifically about Colorado, please. Unless you want to just respond to what I said. Well, just in terms of, of the, the entirety of the season so far, Steve, I think a lot of it has been down to individual errors. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said last week, I think it's obvious that Chase Gasper is, is really suffering with his confidence I think he's uh, overthinking things, um, and he's been caught out a lot again. Um, going back to to the game against Colorado, um, if you think of you know the the, fir- the first goal that they scored, Acosta was it was a great hit, you know, and there's there's very little you can do about about a strike like that because it comes through the bodies and what have you, and, and it's difficult for the goalkeeper. Um, the uh, the second goal, I I think Dane St Clair will. Um, We'll want that one back. Um, I understand the the rain makes the ball slippy. I understand the surface; the ball skips off the surface, and um, it it I, I called it a routine save, a routine catch on on the broadcast, which may be a little bit harsh on him. Um, but the more you look at it, the more you think you, you should probably get rid of the danger there, whether it's catching it or at least pushing the ball away. Um, but in the same vein as well, how often have we spoken about a Dane St. Clair mistake? Hardly at all, you know? So every goalkeeper makes a mistake from, from time to time. I think this is his 20th game or something, and it's the first time we're really talking about him um, conceding a goal uh, and him being at fault. Um, and the third goal, you know, it, it, it was Chase Gasper's rash challenge that led to the free kick. Um, and I... I I thought the marking was poor. I thought the defending was poor. And, and Wilson obviously took advantage in the 83rd minute or whatever it was, you know. And um, again, Steve, I, 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 it goes back to what we've said previously about um, Minnesota. They, they burst out of the gates in the opening half and they, they high press so well and it really works. And then what happens is the opposition play a high line and it doesn't allow them to press as much as they want to. And it forces everything back, and Reynoso loses the ball deeper again, and 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 it's an issue then because, as I said, it, it instantly puts the the back line under severe pressure because everyone's bombed forward. But as soon as Reynoso gets the ball forward, what's the fullbacks? They go straight away, but then he loses it, and then there's gaps behind them, and it's it's a problem. So, but a lot of it stems from from not having a pressing centre forward, I think, and then um, as I said, individual errors have cost the team big time. Um, I, I think, as I said, Chase Gasper has been at fault for, for a few this year so far. Um, I think Yuka Reitler has looked a little settled, a little more settled. Um, but I, I don't think it was his greatest game against Colorado. I don't think Mitanir had a particularly great evening either. Um, Michael Boxall is the only one really right now who I think could walk around with his, with his, um, with his chest out, really, because um, maybe Robin Lord as well. Um, you know, I, I think both of them mm-hmm. have given about everything, to be honest, but um, it's just not been a good start. And I, I thought Jan Gregorius's quotes were interesting after the game as well when he said it, it seemed as though uh, the, the the pace of the team disappeared. It, it seemed as though, what was the, the quote? It was it was something along the lines of, of there were so many bad decisions made, so many bad individual decisions made, you know? So um, all, all this is going to take, Steve, and I, I know I'm, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not really again sounding encyclopedic here, but all it will take is is a win. All Minnesota United need is to just win a damn game, and once they do, this spell will disappear, and everybody will hopefully forget about it. 
because then I think once they get this monkey off their back, they will then start to to move forwards and, and win games and operate with more confidence because I do think that's an issue for them right now. You know, what was it prior to the, the Rapids game? As we said, 53 shots and, and one goal. It's obvious that there's, there's, a, there's a confidence issue in front of goal. Um, but then also from a defensive point of view, as I've said several times now, Steve, I just don't think they are at the races. I, I think there's, there's been a lot of individual mistakes and, um, all it will take is just for them to, to win a game. Um, but what I will say is, is if I, I, I think they, they really have to win one of these next two games, because if, if Minnesota start the year 0-6, I think there's going to need to be conversations to be had um, in terms of, as you mentioned before, what's the overall direction of the club? Where are we going? Again, I'm not suggesting that's when Adrian Heath should be let go because I don't think that's the case. Um, I just think, you know, perhaps there needs to be a conversation in terms of changing things up tactically and, and maybe moving a few players around and what have you. Um, but right now, it's it's far too early to start having those conversations, Steve. But let's make no doubt about it. This week's a huge week for the season for Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think your, your point about getting a win, getting, you know, even you know, a point, uh, like you said, if, if both these games, uh, are lost, that's, that's a huge problem. If you can get four points out of two games, that's great. If you can get six, even better. Um, I, you know, I sort of felt that watching the game against Colorado as they went up to nil heading into halftime. I was like, maybe this is the get right game. Like maybe this is the game where like, cause they looked great. That first half as, as Adrian has said, it's the team looked about as good as they've ever looked, you know, it, it not just the goals were great, and then I was particularly impressed with sort of it looked like Colorado went for that surge going into the half. Like they just wanted to grab a goal back before they went into the locker room. And, you know, Minnesota really stood up to the pressure at that point, like really like withstood it. You know, it's, it's not always, defense is not always pretty, um, but they kept them off the board going into the half. And I was like, if you can put those two things together, like that's that's the way, you know, this should go. And then, you know, to lose the game like that, you really could not have lost a game where you needed a win in a worse way. It was like so familiar to the Seattle game, uh, you know, in the playoffs last year. I mean, the same final score and, and in a lot of ways, the same kind of texture to the game and the way it was lost. It was, um, it was, it was tough to watch. And um, I agree with you. Like, again, we, you know, the thing that I was thinking of is how, you know, previously we've been talking and you talked about before how there's been so many individual mistakes. Jan Gregor should again, it sort of acknowledged it and saying uh, in certain places, Chase Gaspers um, been, been found wanting right now. Um, you know, uh, uh, Brent Coleman had a really terrible game, his first game out there against, against the Sounders. Um, you know, I think if we want to call it individual mistakes, I think you're right. I think Adrian Heath, made the wrong call and how he managed the game down the stretch. I think he deserves a lot of credit for adjusting uh, at the start of the game. I think one of the things that he's actually been sneaky, uh, really good at uh, through this, his whole tenure at Minnesota United is adjusting to the other team. You know, if you think about getting that win away at LAFC, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, sort of managing, you know, dealing with San Jose when they're sort of the, 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 the thinking person's darling of the league. Um, he's figured out a lot of teams. And I think that like, Going to that four three three, 
gave them a lot more resolve in the middle of the field. And it, it, it didn't let in, you know, we, he had talked about how they weren't good in either of the boxes. They were good down the middle of third. It meant that the ball moved through that middle third a lot faster. It meant that it was harder for Colorado to get the ball back through that middle third in the opening half. Um, I thought that tactical adjustment was fantastic. I thought that as the game wore on, you know, in the, into the second half, as Colorado sort of started to build into it and Minnesota just looked gassed. Again, it's Colorado. It's hard to go to Colorado and play. People start running out of energy. Minnesota had exerted a lot of force in that opening half. It just seemed clear that the team was losing steam. And, you know, Adrian sort of stuck with his philosophy of the players who started the game they deserve the chance to finish the game. And I just think it was one of those moments where at that time, you maybe got to say, we just need fresh legs, you know, like wherever and not necessarily, not even necessarily a huge tactical shift, but just like some new blood out there to kind of bring the energy level back up and just sort of stall out the Colorado's attack. I was surprised when Brent Coleman came on. I will admit that, Steve. And, and, I, and I thought, I understand why Adrian did it, because it got to that point where there was a ton of momentum behind Colorado. And Adrian, having having started the season like his team have, he's kind of thinking at that stage, we need to get out of here with the points. And just let's just take a point, get out of here and, and build on this, which would have been very good. And actually, we were offered a point to me before the game against Colorado. I'd have taken it happily, no problem. A couple Absolutely. of goals as well, taking it, no problem, because you can build on it. So I understand why he brought in Brent Coleman. I think a lot of people were probably um, were probably surprised and, and um, a bit frustrated with it, though. That, that's certainly the indication I'm getting from people that have, you know, uh, hit me up on social media. Um, I think because of, of the way that Minnesota started and because of, of the scoreline um, at the half and, and because I think everybody would prefer a manager to go for it and go and win, you know, as opposed to, to being defensive minded and, and let's be honest, to do the sensible thing really. Um, I, I, so I, I can see both sides to it for sure. Um, I, I get people's frustration, but I also understand why Adrian bought on Brent Coleman. I, I was surprised that we didn't see another body come into the center of midfield. I thought maybe Ja'Cory Hayes could have come in um, and offered a little bit of energy off the bench. Um, you know, I, I I wondered at one stage we were told DJ Taylor was was going to come in as well. I guess at one stage he took his his yep. um, subs beanie off and, and was was going to come in, which would have made sense as well because he's a bundle of energy. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's just obviously not been a good start, Steve. But um, I, I've always said this: I, I would back Minnesota against anybody at Allianz Field. Um, and and having having uh, had a good conversation with several of the Whitecaps contingency over the the last um, last 24 hours. I'm really, really intrigued to see how this game goes because no doubt Minnesota United need a win. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I find, it, I find it interesting to think about like the sort of coaching philosophy or the idea of like, you know, again, when do you, when are you proactive? When are you reactive? Um, questions about who do you bring in and when do you bring them in and things like that. You know, I think that there's, there's not just two ways to look at this, but I can sort of, you know, I tend to think of, of UC sort of at least two, at least two of the ways to look at this is there's a sort of more old school idea, which is that um, sports is a, is a crucible where teams are built through adversity as the players sort of learn to achieve higher heights together as they sort of come together and they sort of exceed what they thought they could do as a team. That's great. Um, that's exciting. And that's the narrative that you see a lot in terms of sports documentaries and things like that. Um, the other side of it is that, uh, 
other side, another side of it is that sports is sort of a riddle to be solved. Like it's a tactical question and it's, it's a matter of leveraging your best players at the best moments and sort of trying to make the game easy, as easy as possible for, um, you know, players to do as, as best as they can. And those things aren't, they're not oppositional. Like they don't, they don't cancel each other out. But, you know, I think that, Adrian is sort of comes from that first school of like, you put players out there. I mean, you see it in so many things he says, right. Um, You know, this, you you pick the starting 11 because you believe these players are going to go the distance for you. Like you, you believe that work beats talent unless talent works. You don't necessarily want to play. You're not, it's not just like, this is the best player. You're like, you want the player. You don't want to just play the quote unquote best players. You want to play the best players who are going to do the work that you need them to do. Um, You know, he, he wants players to be pushed from behind on the depth chart, all of that stuff sort of goes into this thing of like, you're, you're, you're building this thing. And so, um, you know, you, you can subscribe to either of these approaches or a combination of these approaches or anything like that. There's pros and cons to sort of viewing things, um, either way I, to me, like I tend to be sort of a riddle to be solved kind of guy, but of course I have coached, you want to know how many games of soccer I have coached It's zero. <laughs> like I have not played a game of soccer uh, in any organized way in 20 years. So like, what do I know? I'm interested in solving riddles. So that's the direct, the direction that I come from it at, but you you can't really argue with what Adrian Heath has gotten out of this team over the last four years. I mean, the team has built itself. Uh, I mean, built itself. He has been part of building the team up to the point, you know, from missing the playoffs to making the playoffs and losing in the first round, but it, with an open cup finals run, then getting to the Western Conference final, getting to the MLS's back semifinal. But this team has gotten better and better and better. And it's through this approach. It's through this philosophy. And again, this is sort of goes back to that point of you need more lead time to decide if like we're done with this idea of how to do things. But this is his this is his approach. And that's sort of I think you saw uh, the the good of it in that first part. I sort of felt like um his he was reacting too late to how that game state changed and then to bring in uh uh Coleman at a moment to just sort of add a defender it, it sort of went against some of stuff that he himself has said after games where it's like sometimes you get so many defenders and then nobody knows exactly who they're supposed to mark it's not like you just have a lot of guys in the box and people don't understand their individual responsibilities and it was basically like that exact thing happened right it was just nobody was marking Danny Wilson and he got in the air and he got uh, his, his head on the ball and it went in at the same time as the team was sort of flagging emotionally, energetically and everything like that. And so it was sort of just at that moment, his desire to kind of ride the guys who got him there, I think let him down. But I'm just saying that that is for that game. Again, like I said, it's like you're about to play two games at home, you know, instead of on the road in Colorado, if you put together a good half like that, and and the energy doesn't flag in the second half. Like I think you walk out of that that game in Colorado with three points. So again, I'm just I'm just saying I'm interested in seeing. I, it's interesting to me to see how how coaches make decisions, not just game to game, but over the course of a bunch of games, with an eye toward making the team better overall. I think if Minnesota go and win these next two games, Steve, they'll have six points on the board. Obviously, last time I checked, that was good for in and around the playoffs. <laughs> So it's just going to take just them getting a victory, you know. And it's interesting. So I, I just before we came on here, I was fortunate enough to have a um, a good twenty minute conversation with the Vancouver Whitecaps manager Michael Santos, and and I asked him. I said, you know, what what do you think has gone wrong? What what have you seen since um, since the season started, and, and why hasn't it gone the way many thought it would for Minnesota? And and he said, look, he says, regardless of the start, it's the same team. 
It's the same team that people were praising so much that got to the Western Conference final. And I thought it was interesting. He said this. He said, sometimes in soccer, people have a really short memory. Yeah. And I could not agree with that more. Um, he's a very, very smart, tactical individual. Um, and I couldn't agree more with, with what he said, you know. And and so, again, Steve, it just goes back to, to my earlier point of, you know, I, I know it's been a bad start. It, mm-hmm. It's the worst start in club history in Major League Soccer. I get it. I understand people's frustrations. Um, but right now, I, I don't see um, any reason for people to to suggest. On, on this particular run, I don't see any reason why you would start saying the manager needs to be fired. Mm-hmm. It's an 0-4 run. Minnesota aren't 0-9. You know, that, that's the record, by the way. Toronto FC went 0-9 in 2012 and still kept the manager, by the way, and look at them now. <laughs> I know they made changes in the future, yeah. but, you know, I, I just, um, I, I was quite surprised to, to see um, the amount of, of um, in, in my feed anyway, the amount of uh, people saying they wanted Adrian to, to be let go. And I just get the feeling it's it's a lot of them, a lot of the people who have said that, uh, that, that I have seen, um, have, as you've said, have probably been saying this for a while because to suggest it after four games, I think is incredibly short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, if you wanted Adrian fired after they lost in the final of the U.S. Open Cup because he didn't play the players you want or they came close and they didn't win, and then you wanted him fired after they lost to the Seattle Sounders in in you know the playoffs because their energy flagged and he didn't do what you wanted. Um, an 0 and 4 start is not going to convince you to keep him. Like you've made your decision. You don't, you don't want Adrian Heath to be the coach of the team. I understand that. That's fine. That's your, that's, that's your decision. I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, I won't go so far as to say, I don't, I see no reason. I mean, I understand why people are upset. Um, it's a club they're highly invested in and that's, uh, that, that, that's fantastic. Uh, I think that soccer again is one of those sports that people, the, the, the supporters and the fans are the stewards of the club. And I think that, you know, fan clubs should understand that they need to be accountable to those people. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to do everything that they, no, 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 of course. And look, yeah. People are more than entitled to their opinion. Yes. I love the fact that we've got people that care about the club so much, you know, because let's be honest, that's not the case across the entirety of MLS. <laughs> so yeah. it's great. It's great that we've got people that care about it and, and let, let's hope we, we see them in their thousands, you know, in, in June or whenever it is when the governor's going to lift the ban and we have a full house again and everything. That will make a massive difference as well, by the way. Sure, that will sure. really make a massive difference. But yeah. let's, as Adrian has said to, to us in the press a few hours ago, let's just focus on on one game at a time. Next up, it's Vancouver and, and they need a win. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted. To, I was about. I really wanted to transition talking about that new Columbus Crew logo, but I'm not going to do that right now because we got yeah. other things we need to take care of. Maybe another. Maybe next week on the bye week we can talk about that. Uh, when injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24/7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Uh, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. Uh, we I had the opportunity uh, earlier to talk to uh, Nico Hansen, who's, uh, you know, one of our uh, people haven't necessarily seen him because he has been uh, injured for the last little while. Uh, but he is uh, a big um, proponent of mental health. And this is Mental Health uh, Awareness Month. 
um, in May. So I did a little sit down with him and we're going to, we're going to play the clip from that. And then maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it, Cal. Okay. It's May, which means it's Mental Health Awareness Month, which has been observed in the United States since 1949. Minnesota United has partnered with Bell Bank to present a player with Man of the Match in each game this season, a recognition that includes a donation of $1,000 to a charity of the player's choice. Nico Hansen uh, has chosen the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses Minnesota chapter for his uh, charity, and I'm here with him today. Uh, Nico, first of all, welcome to the Sound of the Loons, and uh, why don't you let us know a little bit more about why mental health awareness is an important cause for you? Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that it was one that really stuck out to me. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of civil unrest over the past year, especially, you know, I'm coming to a place where it all happened and started. Um, of course, this has been going on for a long time in a lot of different areas. But, um, you know, it's been national news and everything with George Floyd and their children trials. So I think... Um, the one that stuck out to me is also just dealing with all of this stuff mentally. Um, and whether it's, you know, whether you go from pandemic, um, through everybody was at to deal with that and, you know, job loss, financial loss, um, you know, loss of family members and friends. It's been, it's been hard mentally. I think this past year has been hard for everybody. And I think, um, a lot of times people are expected or, um, almost, um, courage to be happy and be positive. And it's not easy. Sometimes you need some help and sometimes you need to just acknowledge that, Hey, I'm not feeling, I'm not doing well. And I'm not, you know, hundred percent mentally, um, happy or content or fulfilled right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a very tough thing. Um, I mean, I think that the pandemic over the last year, and then, as you said, the, the, the George Floyd situation, especially, especially here in Minnesota, like with, with his murder was, uh, very tough on people who are already struggling with with the pandemic. Um, and I think it can be very difficult, especially for young men, uh, for, for athletes, for people who are expected to just, you know, gut it out, get through it. Um, you know, that's that's one of those things that can be sort of a stigma in society. And I think it's one of the reasons it's important to really surface these conversations about mental health. Yeah. And I think going off of that, especially even thinking about, you know, athletes um, having to be, you know, like, oh, we have glamorous life and all this stuff and it's it's hard it's sometimes hard having the pressure of day to day it's sometimes hard just you know being being going home and being a husband or being a father or the, just you know the normal things that we do and I think a, a huge guy I look up to who's been speaking a lot about is Kevin Love I think he's been really um vocal about it and I think I think it's a good kickstart I think more guys need to be vocal about it you know you add in like I was saying you add in race now to, to guys having to deal with that you know I don't know um I've had my few emotional days as far as just dealing with, with that, with being half black and, you know, and um, I can't imagine all the other things that have gone through people's minds of dealing with that, having kids, you know, family members that have gone through it. And so I think not just for us as athletes, but for everybody, I think it, this, this is, this spans everybody. And it's sometimes like you're saying for young men, for, for professionals in any field um, it's sometimes hard. It, it really is hard. Um, and what was it about, uh, I mean, you know, in terms of picking NAMI, um, Minnesota as your, as your charity for man of the match, what went into that choice for you? Um, I think it was, um, it's an interesting one. I, I looked at a lot of them and a lot of things that, you know, resonated with me. Um, I can't remember exactly all the charities, but there was one about, um, just, uh, like, um, 
what am I trying to say here? Like ecological, like about the earth. And like mm-hmm. uh, I call myself a tree hugger. I think I, I love nature and I want to protect the nature as much as possible. And like, that was a hard choice. And I think um, there was also for um, BIPOC and underprivileged communities here in Minnesota. That was another one that really, and I think for me, I was like, I think there's one that, that for the mental health, I think it really stuck out to me because it's, it's something that, um, you know, even I'm dealing with coming here to a new place and, and currently being injured and things like that. Like, and I think a lot of the times it's, it's difficult. Like I was saying, it's like that stigma of like, oh, like these guys, like, or people are supposed to be doing well and they're doing good. Look at all the things you have, or, or look at the life you have, or, um, and I'm not just saying me as an athlete, I'm saying just in general, like people always see the positive, what other people have. And sometimes people have their own stories. People have their own hardships and, um, and it's hard to, to always know how to deal with them personally. Yeah, there's a lot of guys I've talked to, uh, Ethan uh, Finley and uh, Kevin Molino come to mind, who both went through ACL tears and then rehabbing that. Exactly. And especially that element of, um, you know, mental health important when, you're, when your mental health is good as well. But that for an athlete, that coming back from injury and that experience of being on the sidelines and not being mm-hmm. able to get in there, that's one of those moments when you really need to sort of address your mental health. It's a mental thing as much as physical coming back from that stuff. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Dealing with that right now. I am. Yeah. How is the leg? It's doing much better. I think it's, it's an interesting one because it's one where I don't feel it, but it's, we've been talking to doctors from Europe and um, all sort of over and it's, it's a, uh, it's a slow one. You just have to let it heal. Um, and it's one where you might not feel it, but it's going to show up on this, on the screen and on the imaging. And you just kind of have to let it heal before you try to push it because it could continually set you back. It's one of those ones that are, um, um, that can reoccur very easily. Yeah, that's, that's a bummer. It's good to hear you're, you're working your way back and, you know, we hope to get to see you out there on the field soon. Yeah. I'm excited to help. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Nico, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Anson, great great guy nico was uh fantastic to talk to uh i really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit on production and then and then talking to him a little bit more about uh about mental health which is such an important issue i think especially coming out of the pandemic and everything that's happened over the past year as as we hope for getting back to normal it's a thing we're all going to have to be dealing with yeah it's um it's something that for so long people were told not to talk about really wasn't it and and sort of people felt ashamed and what have you to talk about it and it's important to talk about it of course it is um and i think everybody probably without realizing has probably gone through some sort of little thing over the course of, of the pandemic so you know here's hoping you know that Nico hansen gets himself fit and ready um, he, he looked okay at training today i don't know if he's going to be available this weekend i hope so because he had a great preseason. um mm-hmm. and, and i think in, in my opinion steve i think he would have been in the starting 11 over mm-hmm. the course of the last uh, the last couple of games so um Let's hope he, uh, he he gets back to fitness and, and we can see him on the field to, to make his Minnesota debut from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, the um, it would be great to see him back. As it, you know, as he sort of said, it's a it's a slow process, and I think that that Adrian sort of alluded to also with with um, Bakai Debasi uh, today that it's it, you know it's you don't want to push it necessarily for some game where it could then hurt them down the road. And again, that mental component to to coming back, as I, I had mentioned with, I did a whole interview with Ethan Finley and, and Kevin Molina when they were working on their rehabbing, and that uh, it, there is there is such a huge mental component to it. And as you said, I think everybody's dealt with with different elements 
elements of that over the past year. I know I, you know, like I, I was doing pretty well uh, for a long time into the pandemic. I felt like I was like getting months in and I was like, okay, I'm working from home. You know, like I, I've got my job, the MLS is, is coming back. We've got games and things like that. I feel productive. Um, and then I just started eventually feeling like, like this bad <laughs> just waking up and being like not i'd be like short with my children and that that felt terrible and i eventually i talked to my doctor and you know we had a conversation about it and mental health and sort of dealing with that stuff and those stressors and i thought he had some great stuff to say he said you know one of the things that's really stuck with me is he said you know everybody's reserves eventually run out you know there's there's no everyone has their limit it's different limits for different people but when you hit that point it's not like you can just gut your way through stuff like that so um you know i started taking an antidepressant and i think for me it's made a big difference uh just in terms of being present for my kids being able to be a good parent and and a good partner to my wife and sort of you know have more have more of that reserve and i think it's one of those things that you know there's different answers for everybody you know like medication is not for everybody but again one of the main things we're really trying to do is just normalize those conversations about mental health just make it something that people can talk about um you know openly and i think that's that's a huge part of the battle yeah absolutely um you will not find an argument from me there mate and and uh Let's hope it becomes more normal to, to talk about it for sure. Um, and what whilst we're, we're talking, Steve, as well, um, I, this is one which, which, by the way, for those of you watching now, because I, I see there's there's quite a few watching. Um, I, I whilst we were just watching that Nicole Hansen piece, I just opened up my phone and saw quite a few notifications on Facebook. And I've noticed before, you know, the club obviously put this live on Facebook, and I've just seen a few notifications that I want to go through and just have a quick conversation with people because this is something we want to do more. We want to interact with you guys, our, our producer. Tyson is, is working on a few different things as well, where hopefully at some stage um, underneath here, you'll, you'll be able to um, have a conversation with us and, and we can chat about a few things. So there's a few questions here, Steve, that I think we should just have a little, uh, a little conversation about yeah. in terms of, you know, so if this is derailing your plan here. I nope, 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 nope. It's important to, to chat with the fans who, who clearly have some questions. Where's the French striker? Uh, Unu, to our knowledge, um, will will be in the country, uh, I think Adrian said, in the next week, didn't he? So hopefully um, that should be okay. And then he's got a quarantine, so um, we'll we'll wait and see there. Yeah, I, one thing about that I wanted to say, and I see this question come up a lot of times on just random comment, like on random Instagram posts, people will be like, where's, where's Inu and, you know, what's going on with that? Um, you know, for anybody who's listening, the, the this there's sort of a multi-step process when you're bringing in players from from overseas. Maybe this is something I need to I should do another primer on as far as like a, an article about this. But you know, there's there's discussions that happen over a long period of time, agreements that are that are that parties come to, then they get sort of finagled, they get signed, and then it gets to the point where you can actually announce it. Like you know, the clubs like. Adrian's club will announce it and then we'll announce it. But then there's still like visas and passports and, and uh, quarantining right now and things like that. It's just, it just takes time. There's not anything going wrong with the deal for Adrian. It's just, it, it just takes time for this to get processed. So as you said, uh, Adrian Heath saying, you know, sometime in the next week, hopefully 10 days he's in market and then the quarantine stuff begins. So. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully we see him over the course of the next few days. I think the Dallas game is a bit too soon. Maybe RSL away, perhaps, is, yep. is the best hope there. Uh, no, we've never actually blamed the altitude. We've not said that once at all. So no. we'll move on from that, shall we? <laughs> um, in, in terms of substitutions, yeah, we've, we've absolutely covered that and said we were both surprised that there weren't more substitutions made. Um, apparently Heath deserves no credit. Um, I, I, think that's, um, I think that's naive. 
Um, for the Western Conference final last year. I think we deserve a bit of credit, you know. I, I don't mean to be picky here in terms of going back and forth with people, but I, I just want us all to be on the same level here and, and understand what the situation is. In terms of playing a double pivot with, with Trap and Alonso and expecting them to cover midfield, no, you're right, you don't expect them to cover a large amount of midfield, but you expect them to be a little deeper, which they were, and they did cover midfield. I thought they did a decent job in covering midfield. You know, Young Gravish is never going to press, I agree with you, but that, that they're not going to press their central midfielders. They're not going to press. So let's get rid of that notion, shall we? Um, I understand it's easy to say all they need is a win um, in terms of what do they need to do to, to at least have opportunities at shots and goal. Before Colorado, as we've said several times, they've already taken 53 shots on goal, so it's not like they're not creating opportunities. Uh, Debassi, when is he back? We don't know. Um, he got injured in preseason, to our knowledge, but it's one of the issues that Minnesota United have at the moment is is obviously not having uh, Debassi in because I think he proved, didn't he, Steve, really, that he was such an important piece. What did he play last year? 12 games and Minnesota got to the Western Conference final? Yeah. Yeah, they missed Debassi a, a ton. So, um, Look, I'm not going to go into too many other things here. I'm just trying to interact with you guys here because I've seen this before in terms of this is out here on Facebook and, and I, I see it afterwards and some of the, the questions. And we, we never get a chance to, to answer some of the questions because we, we're live and we don't see them. So, um, But look, this is something that we're, we're going to try and work on moving forward uh, and have a, have a conversation with you guys, hopefully uh, live and, and doing this in what seems to be a lovely new format that the producer Tyson's put together. So anyway, sorry, Steve, didn't mean to derail the podcast. Here you go. No, that's fine. I was I was basically just gonna gonna sign off after that. So I, I think I think responding to the fans is great, and I think that it's one of those things. Like you said, uh, hopefully it's a thing we can integrate more into uh, doing this on a, on a, on a week by week basis. Um, so uh, yeah. Although now I have to make a transition without having a segue. So <laughs> say something else. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for joining us for the 144th Sound of the Loons podcast <laughs> presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. Follow Cal at Cal Williams Common, me at Steve Venturis. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>